0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
1: Uh, good morning New Zealand, uh, good morning to uh, Wellington actually where it's a holiday, it's anniversary day and uh, I hope the weather's good down there and you're enjoying your day uh, around uh, the rest of the country as well but uh, for Wellingtonians uh, a special one. Uh, we've got a busy show this morning, we're going to focus in on an incredible weekend of a freestyle skiing, uh, just fantastic, absolutely uh, Zoe, this Zoe is unbelievable, get used to this name Zoe Sadowski Sinnott, absolutely outstanding, so we're going to be Talking to Jossie Wells very shortly about that performance and the Winter Olympics coming up and just how hard is it to win at the X Games. Uh, Daryl Mitchell will join us at 9.32. Uh, Daryl Mitchell, of course, Black Cap, very much informed. Give him a job, he'll do it. He is fast becoming uh, one of those uh, mid-order type backbone players for New Zealand. He's been fantastic. Ufuk Tale uh, of course, is the coach of the Wellington Phoenix. They're getting better by the day. And they've got some big cup matches coming up. So we'll have a chat to Ufuk uh, when we can. Uh, Jamie Wall uh, will be with us on the panel. And Brad Lewis, who's uh, a media MediaWorks uh, sports journalist, will be with us as well uh, on the panel. So looking forward to that. Uh, MJ Hurley. MJ Hurley's interesting. Uh, LA Rams correspondent for Sports Illustrated. And as we speak, they're about to uh, kick off. Uh, the LA Rams are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's Matthew Stafford against the GOAT, Tom Brady. We'll keep you updated with that, and we'll cross live into uh, MJ Hurley and get his impressions on that particular matchup, which is huge in the NFL. As well as that, we'll, of course, uh, have Stump Smithy, Stumpway Smithy and a multi at some stage throughout the morning.
0: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon.
1: Well, Auckland snuck in a big party just before we all saw red on the weekend. The races at Ellerslie. The layout was kind of like a giant sandwich, parties at either end, and stuck in the middle, the members area and the birdcage, where the actual racing people found their place. Six races, four and a half hours, nicely timed and drawn out to enable plenty of analysis and wagering time for those that really cared or actually had runners, or four and a half hours plus band time for those who went there to get absolutely hammered. On evidence, they succeeded more than the average punter. Four and a half hours for some Aucklanders most beautiful and handsome to become anything but. Bar queues, bedding queues by far the smallest, and toilet queues. The latter, that long, I'm glad for the moment that the old prostate is still in reasonable order. Halfway through, a raucous version of Sweet Caroline, Ma and Pa Kettle decided their day was done and headed for the hills. Twenty-four. 34, even 44, a fantastic day out. 64, it's becoming a bit of a stretch. For the punter, a fair day out. The favourites for the most part, there or thereabouts, meaning good returns to those who studied or got lucky. As for the last, the shortest price favourite of the day, backed in it seems by everyone in the whole country, to the point where it was so short. Well, it's not the the done thing in the trade, apparently, to criticise performance, so I won't. Safe to say, I've seen better rides, on Bonanza, Laramie, and the High Chaparral, and we'll leave it at that. And by the, by the way, it was good for you race-goers. I enjoyed the fact that you enjoyed the party, particularly you Aucklanders. You've seen very little frivolity in recent months. It seems on mass, you and the rest of us won't be doing anything much, but the Omicron waltz for the weeks to come. Even the Royal Wedding has been knocked on the head. Time to grab a cold one, slouch into the old lazy boy, Turn up the tunes and listen to a couple of old Kiwi classics.
2: really had their struggle. So she hasn't been pushed the way we thought she might, judging off of runs number one. So what does she do, just try to clean things up? There's still a big shark in the water though. Jamie Anderson fell on run one, and she still has yet to take her second run. So no position is safe. Zoe needs to keep punching. She needs to keep fighting, do something more difficult. Love that front blunt 450. which backside 900, it almost looks too easy. But it's not. It's not, it's extremely difficult. Okay, that's how you pump it up front, 10 double melon. I'm gonna start screaming. She's not done, she ain't done yet. I am a spicy little tomato. That was insane. That was by far the most technical women's slope style snowboard run we have ever seen in any contest ever.
1: Rated in stone in the history books. I'm a spicy little tomato. That is just some of the best commentary you will ever hear. And get used to that style of commentary, of course, because the the Winter Games uh, are not too far away. And that was an incredible performance over the weekend from uh, 20-year-old Wanaka snowboarder Zoe sadusky sinnott Get used to the name. She's been absolutely outstanding. She's won two gold medals at the X Games in Aspen. Well, a man who knows just how hard it is to achieve that feat is 2016 X Games gold medalist and legendary Kiwi free skier, Jossie Wells, uh, who joins us now. Jossie, good morning. Thank you very much for your time. Mel what a weekend for Zoe. Oh,
3: mate, what an incredible weekend. To be able to uh, come out there and snatch two golds is um, yeah, it's pretty pretty unbelievable.
1: To win, to win the Big Air and the Slope Style, uh, that, that double, uh, just how tough?
3: Oh, mate, I mean, that's probably, if you're a Slope Style Big Air rider, um, that's got to be the pinnacle of the sport so far. I mean, you know, you've got the Olympics coming up, which is the, the big main stage. Um, but within the, the course, snowboard and ski industry, the X Games, um, it's always been the big one.
1: And, I mean, the timing couldn't be better, uh, knowing exactly what's just around the corner, uh, the winter games, of course. Uh, I, mean, I, I just seems to be perfectly primed.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, confidence is key in this game, and so for Zoe to be rolling into the game with these, uh, these golds under her belt and riding really well, she's going to have all the confidence in the world.
1: Not only that, but she's beating uh, the lady, uh, Jamie Anderson, who's they re- regard as the GOAT of women's snowboarding, he has uh, been so dominant, so many titles over the years. Uh, so, I mean, that is that in itself, uh, uh, apart from the fact that she's one that she's actually outdoing the GOAT is, is something.
3: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I know Zoe would have looked up to Jamie for a really long time, so to be going neck and neck with her at these events um, and to be in and out on top this weekend has um, got to give her a, just confidence
1: going to the Games. Well, we've been talking and, and trying to get ourselves uh, into uh, Olympic mode, and because uh, the, the free skiers, uh, the snowboarders have been doing so well, I mean, we really take notice of, of their styles, their tricks, etc. Uh, so can you just take us through just the, the degree of difficulty that they were waxing on about in that commentary uh, on those particular runs? Yes.
3: Yeah, so in that slope style run, um, she did a front side dub ten eighty into a backside dub ten eighty, um, which I think that 's the first time it 's ever been done in women 's competition um, and you know in recent years, these ladies have started really picking up their tricks, and these back to back doubles they 're doing a really really top of the top end of the game
1: so when we 're looking at it you know those people that don 't know too much about it, I mean you know the absolute uh, the, the disciplines to the nth degree, but for us who are starting to learn about it, and what should we, what would be looking for with the rails, the jumps, what what are the judges looking for?
3: Um, so there's a the, the judge's overall impression. So um, amplitude, trick technicality, uh, variable tricks, um, and the style, the way that it looks. Um, the grabs are super important, grabbing the snowboard and the skis. Um, but being an overall impression, as a spectator, you can kind of tell. Even if you don't know a whole lot about the sport, you can watch and see which which, which riders were riding really, really well. Um, so that's why it's still exciting to watch if you're not super clued in on the technicality of it.
1: What is the major difference then between the two events, the the slope style and the big air gold?
3: Okay, so slope style is a whole run. Uh, X Games has three or four jumps um, and then multiple rail options down the course. And then a big air is just one singular jump.
1: Okay, so how much training training and work goes into being this good? I mean... um, Zoe, even though she's very young, has obviously been around for quite some time at, at the highest level.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, being from New Zealand, you know, we'll spend the winters here. And then as soon as the winter's finished in New Zealand, you jet off overseas and chase the snow. So it's basically an all-year-round training with um, maybe a few weeks in between each of the seasons. Um, and the training, whenever it's good up the mountain, you're up there
1: getting it. Okay, so how do you keep, if you've got new tricks, you're developing new tricks, right? Like, I mean, uh, you're trying to keep them secret for, your, for your, uh, from your fellow competitors, of course, because you want to surprise them or outdo them. How do you go about that I mean, when, when the facilities are so sort of few and far between? Do like, you get up at like 5 in the morning and beat them to the punch? Or, you know, for us, us people just sitting back thinking, how do you keep it secret while you're working so hard?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think um, secrecy is maybe a little bit to do with it, but, um, you know, a lot of these training facilities, there's not a whole lot of them, right? So there's a, a lot of the teams train side by side. Um, and that's kind of what helps to push the sport forward because you have this kind of friendly competition going between all the riders Um and you know I mean for instance Zoe and Jamie will be writing together um, all around the world and so uh, you know everyone has maybe something going into the games where they've got it in their back pocket um, but I think when you're super clued into where the industry is that you're kind of aware of what the other athletes can do and your job is just to go there and put down the best run that you possibly can and focus on your own performance
1: see how, how big are the X Games compared to the Olympics? I mean, it's just kind of different.
3: Um, you know, the X is every year. Um, it's very aimed at the core action sports community. Um, and, you know, the Olympics is every four years. It's a, a much bigger scale. Um, you know, you're representing your country there. Uh, you've got the silver fern on your chest, so they're... Um, yeah, they're just kind of different beasts, both um, both amazing events and both kind of hold hold their own with uh, kind of what they represent.
1: Zoe aside, uh, Nico Portius has been in uh, pretty good touch actually he- heading into uh, this important time in, in his career. So uh, who else uh, apart from perhaps Zoe and uh, Nico are, are you a bit excited about now that uh, we're looking at po- possible medals?
3: Yeah, mate. I mean, um, Nico's competing tonight. The next game is Pipe, which will be amazing to watch. Um, his brother Miguel as well. Um, and then in the Mammoth Mountain World Cup last week, um, Ben Harrington and Gustav Lignanski had great showings, so the Pipe skis looking strong. Um, Tian Collins also did well and podiumed at that event in Mammoth. So he's looking strong going into the games. And then uh, Ben Barclay is also riding well in ski slope style and bigger, was able to get a podium at the Font-Rameau World Cup last week as well. So uh, strong team heading to the games.
1: There's a lot of family connections uh, in your particular sport. Uh, I mean, you started, uh, I think, when you were two. Is it one of those sports that that you need to be born into? You've got a a proud tradition in your, your family, your brothers, Byron, Bo, James, Jackson, uh, they're all still competing as well.
3: Um, not, none of us are competing anymore. Um, oh, right. Okay. I think, you know, these, oh. yeah, <laughs> these, um, these sports, you just need to do it a lot, right? So you kind of need to grow up on the snow around the mountains um, and have that opportunity from a young age. And I think if you look at the, the team we have going to the games, you know, each of these riders has been, has grown up on the mountains and, um,
1: has had that opportunity from a young age. Okay, so uh, why is it an age thing? Um, is it when you give it away at a relatively young age? Then, so all four brothers are now out of it, as you've just told us. So, is that because you just come to the end of it in terms of your cycle, or it's not financial enough, or you just turn turn around and you just focus on other things? Because it was, uh, I'm sorry, but my impression that you know you were all still actually actively involved in it.
3: I mean uh, we're still involved within the sport um, I spend my time right. making ski films now it's kind of the parallel side of the ski industry um, so I spend a lot of time out in the backcountry making ski films um, and that's kind of the natural progression within the sport you know you compete when you're younger and then as you get into your older years within the industry you kind of shift into the backcountry um, and I mean, if you look at our, our team going to the games and you look at the average age of the riders going, um, it's definitely a young man's game.
1: Or young uh, it seems game. to be that. Yeah, absolutely seems to be that. Uh, is this the strongest uh, in, in this particular, these particular disciplines? We're probably the strongest team we've ever sent.
3: Totally, without a doubt.
1: Oh, well, we look forward to it. Um, Jossie, we we look forward to it. We thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, Very exciting time. Of course, uh, the Porteous Brothers in action tonight. We'll keep an eye on that. But all going well, uh, we can look forward to some great success uh, in the month ahead uh, on the slopes. Thank you very much for for your time this morning. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
3: Cheers,
1: mate. Yeah, of course. Jossie Wells there, uh, of course, one of our greats uh, in snowboarding. uh, And interested to hear that uh, he and his uh, three brothers have actually Got out of the competing style of things, but are still heavily involved in the sport. I think once you're in, in it, uh, it'll be very hard to, to take that romance and that feeling for it out of it. Uh, and he's doing great work making films in the high country. That, that would be something special, wouldn't it, to be able to do. So, yeah, uh, look out for that. And uh, fantastic for Zoe sadowski Synod, a young lady from Wanaka doing great things. Uh, on behalf of us overseas, that Winter Olympics not too far away now. Subjects for today. Uh, yeah, well, we could talk about that. I mean, uh, I'm not quite sure. If, if you're like me, uh, I'm not too well educated on uh, the Winter Olympics. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to learning. I think it's one of the great things about this job, actually. You learn all the time. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, watching a lot of that on uh, the television coming up. Stephen McIver, of course, will be involved in that, hosting it. Uh, and we're, we've already talked to where Jeff McTaints is going. Um, and, and a lot of our panellists have been going uh, to, uh, to focus on it as well and I'm, I'm making the trip over there so uh Levine, a good another one so we'll look forward to uh, what comes out of that so uh, what about the big black clash? I, I didn't see it it coincided uh, with the race meeting I was at at Ellerslie so I, I didn't see any of it, my understanding is a huge crowd, an absolutely huge crowd, um, so what is it uh, uh, that makes you want to go and, and watch these guys play in a novelty match uh, as opposed to the black caps themselves, would you prefer to watch that? And if you do, why? Uh, what did you make of the coverage? I didn't see any of it. Um, just, just give us an opinion because I'm sure if uh, if, uh, if the attendance is anything to go by, it must have rated pretty well on the various channels it was on. So, um, and I think rugby beat cricket. I think rugby beat cricket. Did you have a bet on it? I think cricket were a buck fifty. That in itself is interesting. They actually have a market on it. Mm, very good. Uh, Nine twenty-one here on SENZ.
0: Behind the stumps to behind the mic. You're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Texts coming. Uh, Zada said, uh, "Good morning." Uh, great black clash uh, yesterday. Team rugby beating team cricket. How good was Will Jordan and Karen Reed in that uh, partnership chasing down? Two hundred and four. Oh, that's an outstanding effort, to be fair. Um, I knew that Kieran Reid was a very good cricketer. Uh, I think he was uh, an all-rounder for, I think he played for counties. Uh, Might have even played Hawke Cup cricket. So I knew that he was a very good cricketer. Didn't know so much about uh, Will Jordan, but if you, you watch the way he naturally adapts to rugby and just uh, gets the timing right on most things he does there. You can understand that uh, he would be a fairly handy cricketer or whatever he turned his, his hand to. So uh, not surprising at all. But that is a very good uh, a very good partnership at the end of it to, uh, to win for them. So it uh, was uh, obviously getting it right at the right time there. And Mark has come in just to wind me up, just to say there's only one Opie Bossin. One Opie Bossin. So, uh, yeah, I know what you're getting at, Mark. You're not going uh, to jab me. You're not going to poke the bear just yet. Any more might. Any more might. But uh, you haven't uh, poked the bear hard enough there. But uh, he did actually uh, have a couple of winners uh, on the, the card on Saturday. Uh, so, yep. Uh, and uh, Leith Innes too. Leith Innes second, I think, in both million dollar races. So uh, a, bit, um, a bit agonizing there, but i still able, I-, I would imagine, to uh, bank the check and uh, perhaps he can have a bit of a haircut too. I noticed it looking a bit scruffy. So, uh, yeah, my impression, the race day was fantastic. It really was, John, but uh, man. Man, I, and I, I thought about it uh, yesterday, uh, the day after, and I thought, why not, why not have a crack? I mean, young Aucklanders have been so deprived of the ability to get out en masse and have fun. Uh, they didn't miss out, I promise. They, they, they had a good time, and uh, good luck to them. So what's, what happens at the track stays
0: at the track, is it, Smithy? No, no stories to tell from Ellerslie. I know a lot of people were kicking on to go to Western Springs as well, and LAB were playing a concert. So uh, did you see any, uh, any uh, carnage? On your night out?
1: <laughs> well, it was interesting because it started so late uh, in the day. I mean, the first race was 4.30. I think the gates opened just after three. Mad rush to get tables. Uh, so it was interesting uh, to see that, uh, you know, people um, would come in. a bit. Late. Obviously, preloading. You know what kids do, like the, the, the school ball? Well, this is an extended version of it. Uh, preloading throughout Auckland, throughout the day. So when you arrive, it's not like your first drink if you you get a drift. Uh, so people just come in, and you've been, you know, been there at the table, there waiting, and, and actually focusing on the racing of all stupid things. I mean, you're at the races. How stupid's that? But um, you know, all of a sudden you turn around, and someone's just taking your table, or just put, trying to pick up your table and carry away. So what's, what's going on? What's going on there? <laughs> and uh, in the end, you, you you don't have to physically fight for it, but you sort of have to debate um, the brash the brashness of youth these days, the disrespect of older people. I mean, goodness me, someone tried to take my stool away at some point what? and sit on it. I mean, I mean, the old man, the old man's not going to be able to, to box it out on his feet for that long. So, uh, but honestly, and to watch the progression um, as they continually chucked it down uh, into the fact where some of the most beautiful and handsome young men in Auckland and around surrounding places weren't uh went shaping up that way after four and a half hours and a bit of band time i can promise you that and the pre-loading so interesting very very interesting day out probably my last in that particular arena i can promise you Nine thirty here on scnz and emma with the news <laughs> Uh, later in the morning, we shall be catching up with MJ Hurley, uh, the LA Rams correspondent. And uh, if he's a, a Rams fan, he'd be very happy because they've started uh, really hot against the Buccaneers this morning, a uh, 10-0 up. Uh, just uh, really just started the first uh, quarter of that NLF, uh, NFL sorry, playoff game. So yeah, 10-0 in a short space of time, looking very good, Stafford. Uh, right, let's uh, get on to cricket now, and the Canterbury Kings are through to the elimination final of the T20 Super Smash, Well, they'll take on the Wellington Firebirds in Dunedin, of all places, so a neutral venue on Thursday. Canterbury got a taste of the conditions at University Oval yesterday as they comfortably beat the Otago Volts by eight wickets and leading the way in that run chase. A very good one, too. Uh, with 68 not out, with Kings and Blackcaps all-rounder, Daryl Mitchell, who's on with us now. Daryl, good morning to you. Thank you for your time.
4: Hey, Smithy, How are you going? Thanks for having
1: me. I'm good. Going good, mate. Um, Gee, you're you're enjoying your time down in Canterbury. The move doesn't seem to have done you any harm.
4: Yeah, no, it's obviously, it's it's nice to be down here and um, with a young family and my wife being from here, it makes life a lot easier with the kids running amok at home and, um, yeah, no, it's been good.
1: Well, it certainly hasn't, as I said, it hasn't affected your cricket in any way. In fact, you've been hot, really hot, whatever level you're playing at, so... Uh, and getting back into the Canterbury uniform, you don't have that many opportunities at a time when wins are important, and you're getting it done at the right way.
4: Yeah, I guess at this time of the comp, yeah, you want to gain some momentum and and heading into the finals, it's nice to put a performance like that in as a team. Um, we're obviously pretty disappointed losing to the Brave the other day, and um, yeah, it was nice to yeah, sort of get back to the way we want to play cricket, and and looking forward to Thursday with the semi-final.
1: I mean, you, you become, uh, I guess, a cricketer who, particularly in the batting side of things, you just tend to fit in. I mean, wherever they ask you to do a job, you, you tend, to do it, tend to do it. We saw it never better illustrated than in the T20 World Cup across uh, that, that uh, hasn't finished that long ago. So, I mean, is it just a case of uh, when they name the team, just sitting and waiting and say, well, where am I today? It seems like that.
4: Yeah, I I guess something I pride myself on is my ability to adapt to different roles and situations, but I think for me, I also play the game because I love it, and um, when you're a kid in the backyard, it doesn't matter whether you're opening the batting or or whatever, you just play each situation, close your eyes and swing and have fun, so um, yeah, I just keep trying to enjoy my cricket and compete as much as I can, and hopefully we can win a few games along the way.
1: Obviously, uh, rugby connections within the family as well. But uh, was it always cricket for you, mate? I've never really got to to ask you that.
4: Um, oh, I think I, I was a typical Kiwi kid. I rugby in the winter and and cricket in the summer. And um, yeah, probably came a point once school finished that yeah cricket was always going to be the way to go. I was, I was a very slow first five, and um, yeah, I don't think I would have kept up. So I'm pretty happy I chose cricket.
1: Mentioned before, mate, um, I think we're all happy you chose cricket, just by the by. Um, Tom Latham and uh, Tom Latham and you, uh, of course, uh, opportunities to get back in and, and play for Canterbury. Uh, so, and that partnership yesterday, that was uh, between you two. Uh, so, how, how did that go? How, how, I mean, that was a, a reasonably good target you chased down.
4: Yeah, obviously, Tom, he's in, he's in pretty good nick at the moment, isn't he, and... Um, when he's when he's in form like this, it's yeah, it's pretty special to watch. So it was cool to be at the other end and watch him do his thing. And uh, yeah, no, I think we're just chasing totals like that. You just got to go out and and take on the matchups that suit you, I guess. And we we're lucky it, it went our way, and yeah, it was nice to get the job done.
1: So I mean, as we mentioned before, you you can bat anywhere do pretty much anything in the game. If I, if I said to you, if I came to you and said. Uh, uh, mate, uh, where do you want to bat? When do you want to bowl? Uh, would you have options? What's your preference?
4: Yeah, it's, a, it's a good question, Matt. Um, if you'd see, I've been opening in the batting in the World Cup six months ago with the last year, so um, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that role. Um, I enjoyed batting three for Canterbury in, in the T20 stuff, um, but at the same time I'm, I'm happy to do whatever I, what I've got to do. Um, test cricket, I've really enjoyed that all-rounder role, and yeah just as, as long as you know getting to help try and win games of cricket i don't really mind where i am but um yeah just as long as you play with a smile on the face and, and keep trying to take them on then it's a good start
1: canterbury production line continues uh four wickets again yesterday for henry shipley who's uh, having a heck of a season
4: yeah it's really pleasing to see him do have some success you know he's probably been knocking on the door for several years now and his body's been letting him down at times, which you know is just something he can't control, but it's cool for him just to be on the park and, and to be able to have success and show people how good he actually is. Um, so yeah, really pleased for him and hopefully he can keep it going.
1: Uh, look, uh, you're playing Wellington in Dunedin, which I find a little bit surprising, but there you go. Um, they're really good. they they found a the formula, haven't they, Wellington? They've been very good for a number of seasons. Uh, and, of course, you're going to lock horns with the likes of uh, your buddies, Conway and Blundell and Co. So, uh, that'll be a hell of a matchup I'm picking.
4: Yeah, look, they've been a really strong team for a number of years now. And, you know, they've been in the finals of Super Smash the last few. So, um, yeah, they're they're a strong team. And they've got some world-class players and Dev and the likes. And, um, yeah, I guess these are the games that you look forward to. as taking on the best in the country and, and yeah, trying to trying to win the game will be pretty cool. So, um, yeah, it will be bizarre playing in Dunedin, um, but it's also quite cool that it it gives us a chance that it's a neutral venue and no one really gets an advantage. So, um, yeah, it'll be all going. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, see what happens. Uh, Of course, at least uh, you guys have had a little bit of experience on it yesterday on on that deck, so um, that might stand you in good stead. And, uh, of course, if you win that, uh, it's a match-up with the Northern Brave, newly named this year, who uh, your old side... I would imagine there'll be a bit of atmosphere in the middle if that happens to come to pass.
4: Yeah, okay. I guess if we're lucky enough to get through that semi, it'd be pretty cool to go, go back to Hamilton and, and take them on in the in the final. Um, yeah, I guess with my grandparents being there, it'd be pretty cool to then to sit along and watch us win, and I'm sure it'd be a bit weird for Grandy cheering on uh, the red and black for once, but uh, yeah, that'll be cool.
1: <laughs> well, Okay, let's let's move to the, the international side of things As I mentioned before, it's been a heck of a time for you Every time they give you a job, uh, you just get out and do it Which is, uh, is phenomenal, really uh, Possibility now, I'm not quite sure about the fitness of uh, Kane Williamson Of course, Ross Taylor's gone uh, I understand Kane's under pressure to make that test series uh, That might or might not give you an extra role uh, w- What about the prospect of South Africa coming?
4: Yeah, it's obviously an exciting time with South Africa coming. They're a strong side with a a very good bowling attack. We just saw in that last Test series against India, um, it was obviously a cracker of a series. So, um, Yeah, hopefully can be part of that and and help contribute to winning games. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I'm sure there'll be conversations had in the next few weeks building up to it. um, But yeah, personally, it'd be really cool to be a part of it.
1: Okay, so coming from Test cricket to T20 cricket, is that easier or is it easier going from T twenty to test cricket? I mean, I would have thought the latter might be a bit tougher.
4: Um, I think we're pretty used to it these days, you know, chopping and changing formats and for me it's just being really clear with how I prepare and and making sure that, you know, I've got certain things that I need to tick off leading up to games, whether it be whatever format, to make sure that I'm I'm sort of ready to go. So um but yeah, we're we're used to chopping and changing. It's the nature of um, schedules, especially in these COVID times as well. So it's all pretty jam-packed and yeah, we just yeah, get out there and, and make sure we've done all the preparation ready to go.
1: Daryl, I think the modern-day cricketer perhaps has to be a bit more multi-purpose than the olden-day cricketer as such, uh, which means bowling uh, in your particular uh, disciplines uh, in the game. What, what are your work-ons in, in terms of your bowling and test cricket?
4: Yeah, I love my bowling. Um, for me that's that's my time to have some fun and bring some energy and, and bring out the personality of competing. So, um yeah, I think it's it varies on different roles depending on what bowling attacks we go with. Um, in test cricket at times mine is a holding role, just trying to build pressure and, and give the big quicks a rest and so that then they can come back and have another crack. So um and other times in first class recovery it's it's trying to take wickets and and be aggressive so yeah it's just about being adaptable again and, and reading what role that whatever captain needs me to do and yeah just keep trying to do the job
1: So who are you, Who do you work with uh, in terms of your, of your disciplines uh, I, I know uh, Luke Ronke involved with the batting side of things uh, if you've got Jergo uh, Shane Jurgensen in the bowling side of things Bondy's around Shane Bond's around the thing so oh, I guess there's plenty to tap in but who specifically do you work you work on with your games?
4: Yeah, obviously we've got Jurgo and Ronks with the New Zealand stuff and then, and Donks and Fultz with Canterbury. Um, but personally, I've got a, a batting mentor from my days back in Perth was called Noddy Holder, who I still tap into and, and use his knowledge. I've known him since I was 15. So from a batting sense, he's he's the guy I go back to if I need help with anything. Um, but I think it's important that every single player has someone outside of setups that allows you to, to have conversations with and. And yeah, I guess grow your game without being in that team environment all the time.
1: Are you looking at uh, possible? I mean, your T Twenty form was outstanding. Uh, what are you? Where are you in terms of uh, perhaps the IPL, or the auction, and, and that kind of thing?
4: Uh, I think you know, Snippy, that that stuff's out of your control at times. Um, yeah, personally, I got chance to play for Middlesex last year in the county and the Blast, which was really cool and a great experience. There show up to Lord each day and, and, and work there. But, um, yeah, the IPR that stuff just takes care of itself. I'll just keep trying to do my job for New Zealand in and Canterbury, and, and hopefully that stuff pops up in the future.
1: Very balanced, mate, because, uh, to be fair, you only have to look at Kyle Jamieson. You only have to look at uh, some of the guys who have uh, picked up astronomical contracts. Uh, I mean, uh, for you, uh, hot at the moment, nerve wrack. I would have thought it would be a bit more nerve-wracking than the, the balance that you show, because. It can be life-changing, massively life-changing.
4: Yeah, I think it definitely can. But, you know, I've I've been playing domestic cricket and international since I was 19 years old now, which was 10 years ago. So I think you learn that the game repays you if you just keep trying to get better each day and, and keep trying to, you know, enjoy the game and, and not take it too seriously. Um, but also, yeah, keep striving to be the best you can be. So... Yeah, hopefully, you know, in the, in the future these opportunities pop up. But um, yeah, if it's meant to be, I'm sure it will happen.
1: Well, I've got to say, mate, if uh, I was at the auction, I'd be putting my uh, particular bat up uh, if Daryl Mitchell's name came <laughs> up. Uh, the way you're playing and what you contribute with the all round side of it and the fielding, of course. So uh, brilliant to catch up with you. I haven't done so for a long time and and uh, congratulations on, on the form you're in at the moment. I hope it, uh, it comes good for the Canterbury Kings. Uh, over the next. Uh, two or three days, and uh, you managed to get to, to that final with the Northern Brave, and, and just continue on. It's been a pleasure to watch your development. Thank you.
4: No, thanks, really. Thanks for having me, and appreciate your kind words.
1: Right, cheers. Uh, Daryl Mitchell there, uh, folks. Uh, man, balanced. Talk about balanced. Uh, you can see why. Uh, when you talk to people, you can actually see why uh, they're good at what they do, uh, and just the way they talk about what's coming up and what's happened in such a relaxed sort of way. I mean, he's got to be, if you look at the cricketers around the world, uh, the way he played in that T20 World Cup amongst the best in the world and dealt to them and handled run-chase situations, you've got to be thinking his value is quite high at an IPO auction. Maybe, maybe not. Um, New Zealanders um, getting big, big checks. There are quite few and far between. Um, but I would have thought day in, day out, Daryl Mitchell uh, with that attitude and his fitness, etc has got to be worth plenty. Uh, 9.45 here on SENZ. Uh, When we come back, uh, a chance to reflect on uh, a few of your texts. And, of course, uh, we've got a multi before 10 o'clock too.
0: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: It is 9.51 here on SENZ, and Phil has called in from the West Coast. Uh, I've never been there. I've got to get there, and Phil, I think you're calling from your tractor. You've been very patient. What's on your mind, mate?
5: I was just uh, ringing up, first of all, to congratulate you on actually being in the Millions. And, yeah, it
1: was a good run. It's exciting, uh, you know, when when you've uh, got connections uh, to a horse on the event, that's for sure, and... uh, you know, we enjoyed most of the day, I can tell you.
5: Yeah, I don't think there was much that was going to beat pin-me-up.
1: Uh, fair enough, uh, that's a good call. I mean, the way it finished, uh, certainly, and and it's uh, kept that uh, terrific run for Tiakal going. I mean, they picked up both of them uh, from memory, and uh, the good horses certainly came out to play, Phil.
5: That's dead right, and isn't it good for Jamie in his last year at Karaka as well?
1: Well, Jamie's had... A terrific history uh, in that particular uh, meeting, of course, but he's also been sensational, hasn't he, over a long period of time? And you got the feeling that when he gets to Hong Kong, uh, and uh, of course uh, he'll be able to come back, I think. And um, after a long time over there, he would be even better. For it. he's so so young. Uh, that's the thing about Jamie Richards. He looks so young. He is so damn young, but he's achieved so much uh, in a short space of time, hasn't he?
5: He has, definitely. He's changed Tiaka as well. It's like, even the whole New Zealand racing thing, you know, there's so many more young people into it now because because of Tiaka as well. It's, yeah.
1: Oh, look, it, 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 I mean, the, the way they syndicate the horses as well, Phil, uh, you know, and it's for a lot of people it's not cheap and it's not manageable, for uh, other people uh, they make racing affordable as part of a big group and y- you see that in so many of their syndications, uh, a lot of people having a lot of fun. That's dead
5: right, that's dead. And it, yeah, it's a good industry to get into, like, we're in it ourselves, i have got a pins well, gelding ourselves yeah. actually so it's wrapped about pin me up.
1: <laughs> well that's, that is very good for you, so what stage is your gilding at?
5: Um, he's a five-year-old, and, yeah, he's, he's recovering at the moment. He had a, we were meant to race the coast races, but had an incident and didn't happen.
1: Well, so, well hopefully it's next just year. like... Yeah, hopefully next year, and uh, I'm so sure it's the same with the connections of a lot of horses that uh, turned up at Ellerslie on Saturday in the hope, and a lot of connections turned up in the hope that it was going to be their night. Uh, and, of course, we all know within racing, field the majority of them uh, don't succeed uh, and it's a small uh, number that do but a fantastic Phil for your call thanks very much for taking the time to wait and to get in uh, yeah so um, your thoughts uh, if you're at Ellerslie how did you feel about the, the, uh, the vibe there the atmosphere etc um, my understanding is that uh, it might not be uh, at Ellerslie next year 9.54
0: here on SCNZ. Stumps to behind the mic you're in safe hands it's mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ
6: Smithy's Malty. Know when, when the walk away and
7: know when the run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download
0: the TAB app today.
1: Well, we missed out over the weekend. Uh, two to three we are uh, as uh, we talk about today's one, which includes the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Buffalo Bills. That's NFL Action Playoff Action this afternoon. That's $1.76. Mahones and Co to win that one. Felix auger Ame, to beat Taman and Chilic in the tennis later today. A buck 68, and sits to pass the Greek Freak as they call him to beat uh, Taylor Fritz a dollar 48. So that's four dollars 37. So looking to balance the ledger at three and three at the moment. Brady's going to have to be real good. He's going to be the goat of all goats. The Rams are killing the Bucks 17-3 in the second quarter.
0: Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Alteror. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
8: What a start for the Mexican! Didn't he put that away as we see on the Harvey Norman replay? Just picked his spot, showed composure knew exactly what he was doing. And it could be in here again, Wellington. It's Gary Hooper. Oh, and he one-foots Jamie Young, and it's two for Wellington Phoenix. To end a four-game
5: losing sequence by putting West to the sword. It's a result that lifts them off the foot of the A-League men's ladder tonight.
1: Well, that's exactly what we wanted to hear. The Wellington Phoenix snap their four-game losing streak in the A-League to lift themselves from 12th to 9th on the ladder. Uh, game in hand too on a team, a couple of teams above them, so uh, a chance to go even further. Shortly, they beat the fourth place Western United two one at the weekend. Um, we're joined uh, live this morning by a very happy coach, or a happier one anyway, I'm sure. And uh, Ufuk to lay, uh thank you very much, Ufuk, for joining us. Uh, I imagine there's uh, a slightly better mood in the camp.
9: Yeah, obviously, uh, winning games makes makes it a lot of easier, uh, makes the week. Uh, uh, we go a lot quicker and uh, looking forward
1: to the yeah. next day. Would have been uh, a long couple of weeks. I mean, uh, you've had uh, up to 19 players uh, with uh, COVID. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, y- there's disruptive and there's disruptive. Uh, how the heck do you overcome that?
9: Yeah, look, it's not easy. Uh, we have our own challenges as it is being based in Australia. Uh, but look, the players are through. Some players had mild symptoms, which helped. But, uh, look, didn't know what to expect on game day uh, as we only had three sessions leading into that uh, game. But, look, I think it was good. a good result at the end of the day.
1: Uh, Ufuk, today, is uh, with us, the Phoenix uh, coach, uh, of course. And, yeah, I mean, organising practice for, uh, I think, at one stage, what, five players available?
9: Yeah, well, whilst the boys were in isolation, we only had five players available for training. So, uh, I, at times, I joined, joined in with uh, an extra number. So, look, uh, we take it day by day and hopefully this uh, is the last of it. And, uh, we're able to play uh, games through the season.
1: Uh, Gail Sandoval made his debut and uh, right on the score sheet, almost straight away. So uh, you must have been pleased with his his introduction.
9: Yeah, look, uh has been waiting for a while. He's been training with the group. Uh, once the window opened, he was available to play. So I thought he had a good game. had a good game, uh, a he good had game. An intake, and that's why we brought him in. Uh, and hopefully, we can continue to build his fitness up, his fitness, and he gets uh, you know, better and stronger.
1: You lost Gary Hooper for a short time, uh, but he's back and uh, goal scoring again. So, uh, he's been a trump for you this year.
9: Yeah, Hoops, is, uh, Hoops has scored goals wherever mm-hmm. he's played. So, he's, he's a major uh, major player for us, a big player. And, and that's what we expect from our senior players and our visa players to, to influence the game.
1: So you're up to ninth now, uh, Ufuk on the table, just uh, two points behind sixth place, uh, you've got a game in hand on a couple of teams as well, so um, what does that meant now in terms of looking forward to the rest of the season?
9: Well, that game will hopefully build confidence within the group. Uh, there's a lot of games to go. We've got a very important cup game on the weekend that we want to win and, and make a final with, but uh, there's a lot of points up for grabs within the A-League. Uh, at the moment, so hopefully you know, like that, that gives the boys confidence, and and we keep moving forward.
1: Aside from the score sheet, two one uh, over Western Sydney, you've dominated uh, that team. I think you've uh, you haven't beaten in uh, the past six games, so uh, it was a game you you could go into with confidence. But aside from the scoreline, uh, what what was the, what's the most pleasing thing from your point of view?
9: I think the attitude and the application the boys uh, put out in the game, I think uh, one, one thing that we spoke about before the game was the performance. So I'm, I'm a big believer performance is good. You know, eight out uh, of ten times, you're going to get the result that you need. Uh, so I think just not winning the game the performance is good and, and everyone did their job to the best of their ability, especially coming off, uh, you know, most of those players haven't Now that
1: most of your squad has, uh, has had uh, the virus, uh, what kind of precautions do you have to take to stop it uh, resurfacing uh, amongst those that perhaps haven't, and uh, those most vulnerable? Yeah,
9: look, it's still it's still very difficult. Uh, life is as normal, uh, in New South Wales currently. Uh, we still have to travel in state, unfortunately, on commercial airlines. So, you now the boys just need to be smart and use their common sense and recognise where they should be and where they shouldn't be. At the end of the day, we still have certain protocols that they, they need to follow, but look, at, the of, at the end of the day, I think, at times, sometimes very uh, unavoidable.
1: Yeah, your next uh, mission is the FFA Cup semi-final, obviously, uh, to get that far. You've had a good run in the competition uh, against the Melbourne Victory this uh, Saturday night. How are you feeling about that game?
9: Yeah, very, very good. Very, very promising. The uh, we've got our full full spot available. Uh, Spotty Wooden will be touch and go. He uh, like, uh, currently at uh, uh, So at this stage, look, the boys are feeling good and the have victory have, have, have been going well this season. So it's going to be a great challenge. And it's a one one game where you win and you can play a final and it's going be perfect.
1: Well, it's been great to catch up with you uh, this morning. At, um, we wish you all the best uh, for. Saturday night, and uh, of course what's uh, coming up in the, the league itself. Uh, the signs are good. Long may it continue. Thank you.
9: Thank you very much. Thank you for your support. Thank
1: you. yeah. no, we're all uh, right behind you over here. I can promise you that. It is near uh, 10.09 here on SCNZ. Uh, so, line not particularly uh, flash there. So, uh, uh Tele was cutting in and out a wee bit, we apologise for that. It uh, happens from time to time, particularly with those overseas calls, but uh, the gist of it is, uh, the team's looking more solid. Uh, they are uh, hopefully over the COVID problems. Uh, they've got two players uh, who are in fine form uh, joining the uh, strike force as well, and Sunderval and Hooper. Uh, Hooper's been good throughout the season. Sunderval just coming in, uh, and things are looking up. Uh, we knew they had too much talent to to be languishing where they were, and uh, man, if that to overcome something. Nineteen. Imagine having 19 players out of 24 with COVID and then having to front up uh, with some sort of team. Uh, so really, and they haven't had a, been cut a lot of slack either, John, to be fair. Uh, when they ask for, I think they ask for a little bit of compensation or a little bit of help every now and then, uh, they don't get uh, the door open for them very often.
0: No, but bit like the breakers at the start of the season when they all had COVID and asked for some games to be rescheduled and the NBL said, nah, no, you guys are alright. You guys can play. Uh, but when it comes to other teams, they seem to get rescheduled all the time. But yeah, the Phoenix, 17 days of no football after 19 players with COVID to come out. And I know the Western Sydney Wanderers are, a bit, are their bunnies a little bit, but if Western Sydney won that game, they would have gone top of the table. So a decent opposition. So to win that 2-1 with play going against them uh, quite a bit was was a much-needed result for the Phoenix. And hopefully if they win again this weekend and make the FFA Cup final, Smithy, um, things are looking up for the Wellington Phoenix.
1: Yeah, Melbourne victory, very tough, of course. Uh, We'll keep a a close eye on that, maybe even uh, talk to someone within the squad before uh, that game next Saturday night. Of course, uh, also, uh, speaking of Melbourne, uh, the Australian Open uh, progressed over the weekend, John, and uh, Michael Venus and his uh, German partner, Tim Putz, uh, through to the quarterfinals, where they they had a walkover win, actually, over Kubler and O'Connell, Australian wildcards after O'Connell injured his hip. So that's uh, an easy way to get through Good on the energy levels. But uh, the next one will be interesting because it's uh, Nick Kirios and Tanasi Kokanakis, the uh, Aussie locals' uh, hot favourites have uh, uh, knocked out the favourites uh, for the tournament, the number one seed. So... Kyrgios doesn't go away quietly. It'll be an interesting spectacle.
0: Yeah, it'll be cool uh, for Michael Venus because a lot of the times, I guess, you play doubles, smithy, and until two, uh, unless you make the final, you often play with small crowds and no one really cares until you're on, on the main stage playing the final. But Kokonakis and Kyrgios have been lighting it up. Like, every doubles match they play is full. Uh, so it's going to be a hell of an atmosphere for Michael Venus and his partner Tim Putz. And they're playing against each other in the mixed doubles uh, Venus and puts. So it's all happening for Michael Venus across the Tasman. Um, a, a lot of different and exciting matchups for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they know each other well in this matchup. Uh, we've got Venus, uh, Michael Venus against puts, so uh, they're doubles partners. We've got uh, Kiwi Aaron Routliff playing with Venus against uh, Alexa Garachi, uh, who is a former partner of Routliff. So, I mean, we all. Uh, getting together, friends and family here on this particular one. Are you uh, so, insinuating uh, keys people... in the bowl or something like that, Smithy? Or no, I'm not insinuating that. That was I'm me. Insinuating Sorry. Insinuating they know they know each other's games well. That was John Day, in with that, folks, John Day, D A Y. If you need to complain or anything, we'll go to the broadcasting tribunal. <laughs> okay, John Day. Not a hard one to, not a Sorry. hard one to spell. Uh, let's move along to the singles, then, shall we, Mr. Day? Uh, then a chopper the left hand that's looking good knocking out Zverev in straight sets uh, 6-3, 7-6, 6-3 now a showdown with uh, the man flying the flag two lefties actually Uh, that'll be a great clash Uh, Rafa Nadal who's looking pretty cool
0: yeah Zverev is a guy who everyone every Grand Slam you go oh look out for Zverev His time's come. It's time for him to win a slam, but he always falls quite early on normally either. He doesn't even make the quarters or anything, but Shapovalov uh, is a great young player, uh, just 22 years old. Hasn't beaten many of the top players, but he's certainly got the game for it. I think Canada won the ATP Cup leading into this, so Shapovalov's playing great and Ujir Eliasem, who you've got in your multi today, Smithy, is another fine young Canadian player, so Mm. can he beat Rafa though? Rafa's been there, done that so many times and Shapovalov, you get the feeling maybe he's played his big game for the tournament and Nadal might roll on, but who knows?
1: Shapovalov, Ian. Shapovalov, not Shopalov. I've been calling him Shopalov since his career started. Shapovalov. Yeah, he beat Marino, Adrian Marino. Watch that game. 7-6. 14 uh, in, in in the first set tiebreaker. And you kind of thought, well, if this stretches out, the old boy might struggle a bit, but he got better. Uh, Nadal 6-2, six, 6-2 two, six, two in the second and third sets. Yeah,
0: it took an hour and 20 for him to win that first set uh, and you thought oh no, Ruffa doesn't need this. If he's going to go all the way, play seven matches you don't want a massive marathon five setter but now nah, looks strong in winning the next two, 6-2, six, 6-2. Two, six, two. So those with Ruffa in your multi or betting on uh, the King of Clay to come good and Aussie, he's looking pretty good but tough game next.
1: A uh, player to look out for too I, I believe is uh, Matteo Uh he's um, He really has been in good form. In fact, he's reached the quarterfinals at all four Grand Slams, uh, becoming only the 10th active player to achieve that feat, but just has not been able to make uh, the big step and win one. But uh, he's a player to look out for, and he's up against, I think, Gail Monfils in the next round.
0: Yeah, Gael Monfils, so exciting, just turns up every year. I can't believe he's still playing, but he's playing superb, maybe even the best tennis of his long, long career. And I'm with you, Berrettini, just looks like he's got the game for the hard courts and especially Wimbledon, big serving Italian. Um, I like him. I I think he's a great player and will win a slam at some point. But will it be Melbourne? I don't know. So we're getting some quite exciting uh, quarterfinals on the men's side of things.
1: Well, we're all looking on the women's side of things for the big clash between uh, Ash Barty and Naomi Osaka. Of course, that's not going to happen because uh, Anna Samova knocked out. And Amanda Anna Samova beat Naomi Osaka in straight sets. So Ash Barty faces her uh, in the next round.
0: Yeah, it's got to be Ash. I mean, she's right from the start. It's been like, well, who's going to stop Ash? Maybe people thought Naomi Osaka. But it's not going to be her now, so it's all on Ash Barty. Uh, she's got the game, she's got the temperament, she's got the home crowd on her side. I, I, I just can't see anyone beating her. I know there's covers making a name for herself, so maybe mm. she's a chance, but oh, just, I, I can't see anyone stopping Barty Smithy.
1: No, I think um, bad luck, uh, injury, uh, or just the pressure as she gets to the pointy end of having to do it in front of her home crowd. But she doesn't seem that kind of person, actually, Ash Barty. She seems pretty much uh, in control of her emotions, etc. As Tom Brady will have to be joining us, we uh, look at the score now. We're uh, heading towards the end of the second quarter. Uh, and uh, really, uh, they are struggling. It's 17-3. They cannot uh, really do too many things in terms of completions. Uh, the Rams are all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the stadium, which is just an absolute sea of red. Uh, the Rams have got it exactly right. Tom Brady, of course, so anyone that knows Tom Brady, the reason they call him the GOAT is he gets you out of trouble. Uh, that arm of his is absolutely fantastic. But at the moment, it is Matthew Stafford and his LA Rams who are looking likely at moving forward in the NFL this year. It is 10.17 here when we return. Uh, we have a panel this morning, and it consists of Jamie Wall and of Brad Lewis.
0: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Big talk, big
6: opinions,
1: the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Yeah. Freelance rugby writer Jamie Wall is with us this morning and joining him is MediaWorks sports journalist uh, and Brad Lewis. Uh, Brad, uh, interesting time in the UFC. I know you're uh, pretty keen on that. And uh, Adesanya versus Whittaker is looming. And uh, we understand yesterday that Brandon Marino... Uh, called out Kaikara, France, so Kiwis in action shortly.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the uh, sorry, I'm hearing myself back. That's weird.
1: We'll we'll try and fix that for you. Um, I'll go. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll give us a chance to fix that. We'll, we'll call you back. Uh, and I'll, I'll go to Jamie. Jamie, on, on a, another subject, uh, I would imagine uh, you have been watching the Australian Tennis Open. Uh, who stops Ash Barty? Who stops uh, Daniel Medvedev? Uh, they look the favourites.
8: Yeah. Good morning, Smithy. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's pretty hard to see who's going to stop Barty. Um, I think probably Barbara Kvitová's Kr- got a got a pretty good um, chance there uh, as they're shaping up to play in the semi-final. Um, and as, as far as the men men go, well. The thing i love loving about Medvedev is that uh, not only is he playing great tennis, he's, already, he's also working the crowd. He, he had that big game against Medvedev um, uh, sorry, against Karyos and, uh, and managed to um, uh, work the crowd up and, and get them on his side in, in, the, next, in the next game. Um, the Aussies still have Alex too, uh in uh, his uh, in the draw, the cheer on. Uh, but Stepnosk, sits the pass, is probably the guy who's going to give Medvedev um, the most trouble. Um, but Hello. really, with Djokovic not there, uh, it, it's Medvedev's one to lose, to be honest. Uh, yeah. but although although got Nadal uh, there as well, um, he had a bit of trouble in his first set last night. Um,
1: but uh, I'm, I'm probably picking Medvedev to take this one out. I'm kind of thinking though, um, Medvedev would be looking very closely at Nadal because you can't beat experience. Uh, there's certainly a, an element of romance about it. Uh, no Djokovic, uh, no Federer, of course. So, flying the Andy Murray out early in the tournament, and I, I imagine that this just made Nadal just a little bit more determined because uh, without those three, the, the, the door sort of opened up for something special for him too. Yeah, and and. and... He's he's got a really tough game coming up against
8: um, uh, Shapovalov in the next round, who, like you mentioned before, just before for the break, that he's had um, uh, a lot of big tournaments, but not hasn't really collected any scalps. But I think he's matured enough that uh, he's going to give Nadal quite a bit of trouble in this game. And also, he's had a lot of time on court uh, in the in the Open so far. I think uh, three of his games have gone to five sets, so. Uh, uh, that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Really looking forward
1: to that game. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, the Winter Olympics. I'll get back to you, Jane. We're going to try and, and hope that Brad's line is, is a little bit better this time. Brad, uh, we'll, we'll just uh, recap that uh, Adesanya Whitaker is looming and Kaikara France uh, in the flyweight uh, division has been called out by Marino and uh, has replied saying, right, let's get it on anytime, anywhere. I'm ready, so... Uh, interesting times for Kiwi interest uh, in the UFC.
6: Absolutely, Smithy. And um, with Kai Kara France, uh, it's interesting. He fought Brandon Moreno before. Moreno was obviously losing yesterday his uh, flyweight title. And actually, Davison Figueredo also calling out Kai after his victory. And probably the greatest flyweight fight in UFC history. Razor close uh, decision loss. But both of those guys want to fight Kai. Kai's made a name for himself in his last two fights with. Tremendous knockouts. So They're almost trying to make their names off him, if you will. But, uh, yeah, great time for New Zealanders in the UFC. he's defending his title against Robert Whittaker uh, next month. Uh, UFC 271 in a middleweight rematch against the guy he beat for the bout. Uh, yeah, and Izzy probably in the top three or four stars in the UFC right now. So, New Zealanders making big names for themselves in combat sports. And as we know, Joe Parker and Sonny Bill in the, in the headlines at the moment as well. So, it's great to see
1: yeah, seeing photos on Facebook, etc., of uh, Parker, it looks, he, he looks, he uh, looks, bred he looks really well ensconced um, in that uh, that camp that he's in with the Gypsy King. I've
6: never seen Joe so settled and so happy with his professional life. Like, uh, he just, he's, he's just so at peace with everything. His family's there with him in Morecambe. Uh, he's got David Nika and Sunny Bill staying with him at the moment um, in a house. That's rented by Tyson, so uh, yeah, and, and and as you said, like he's just he's really happy at the moment, and uh, and it reflected in his performance with a career best performance, in my opinion, against Derek Chisora, where he was quick, he was fast, he was he was uh, he kept his cardio throughout the whole fight. I think that's the best move for his career, and we could see the benefit to that uh, in 2022.
1: Uh, Jamie uh, Winter Olympics just round the corner, and we now uh, can seriously. Uh, look forward to it with, uh, with real interest and real hope, actually, uh, because uh, we've had Nico Porteous uh, been uh, outstanding. And now this weekend where we saw Zoe Sadowski-Sinnett up there with uh, well, well, the very best and Jamie Anderson, who they call the GOAT in the women's division. Um, this is giving her uh, a level of interest in this country, which is right up there with Lydia Coe, Lisa Carrington with uh, the success. We, I think we underestimate just how tough it's been. Oh, absolutely, Smithy. It's, um,
8: it's no no mean feat to beat an 18-time X games gold medalist and Jamie Anderson. Um, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm not I'm not too clued up on um, uh, on her event, but uh, a backside 60 trip to win the gold medal uh, certainly does sound um, uh, very impressive. But uh, the, the thing is, is it's, with the Winter Olympics for me as a- to be honest with you, I feel like it's kind of about time we're uh, we're we're kind of punching and in, in that in that event because we have you know all these world class fields and, and and talented uh, snow sport people out there that really should be, uh, every four years captures captures the public's opinion and that we look forward to success the same way we do in the in the summer Olympics so hopefully Zoe is, is the person that perhaps trends but, um, that, uh, that, that hurdle that we've got with the Winter Olympics. It's not just a kind of weird uh, thing that happens over the other side of the world uh, that we don't really have much interest in. And, and now that we're bringing back medals, like we did in the last one, uh, it can
1: be really part of the New Zealand sporting fixture. Uh, Jamie Wallace with us uh, this morning. So is uh, Brad Lewis. We're going to take a short news break here with Emma. When we come back, we might talk a little bit about the Black Clash. Uh, what do you make of it uh, as an event? Uh, and also, well, the NFL is currently in action with the upsets over the weekend thus far, and another one looming. And now we're in red light. What does it mean for sport all over again? So plenty to talk about. But here's the news first. The opinions. The panel. Talk, talk, yeah, both Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis uh, working with us this morning. I understand uh, you guys are under a bit of duress with the phone line there and I uh, appreciate you uh, hanging in there for us. Uh, good chance to talk a, a little bit about uh, the NFL which is currently on of course in America. Business end of the season, it's halftime. Uh, the Buccaneers and uh, Tom Brady, uh, Brad are trailing Stafford and the uh, LA Rams by 20-3. to 3. If he overcomes this, it'll be a massive deficit for Brady but Uh, At the moment, uh, it's been a weekend of upsets. Uh, Roger's gone, and uh, of course, uh, that means the Green Bay Packers are out, and uh, also the Tennessee Titans gone too in a bit of a surprise. So anything can happen, mate.
6: That's right. Uh, It's what we love about the NFL, Smithy, And um, when JD uh, sent me the uh, topics, I was kind of thinking about it. And the the four teams in action today, I feel like the Super Bowl winner is going to come out of these four teams uh, the, the Bucks, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bills are uh, probably the best four quarterbacks left in the in the in the league as well. Um, and As you said, Brady down by plenty at halftime, but that's not an unfamiliar spot for him. We saw him do it in the Super Bowl against uh, Arizona or Atlanta many, many years ago, what, three or four years ago with the Pats. So wouldn't put it past them, and, and they're playing at home as well, so the big Tampa crowd will get behind them. But I really like the Chiefs, I think Patrick Mahomes. Uh, off the back of, of, of uh, a poor Super Bowl performance last year. It has, it has been a bit injury-prone this year, but really coming to his own against a very, very good Josh Allen for the Bulls. Uh, the Bills. This is going to be a great day of Eric and Smithy.
1: It is going to be uh, as well, Jamie. And uh, to be honest, uh, that one is mouth-watering. But uh, Brady, uh, the thing about Brady is you, you just cannot ride him off. He's a bloke that basically has no legs but has uh, one of the greatest arms in the history of the game, perhaps the greatest. Uh, so I look forward to the remainder of that. And then, of course, the pretender, Mahone's coming through, uh, this fresh young kid who's just taken it by storm. Oh, I love the NFL. Oh, I absolutely do. I love the way it's presented. Jamie, uh, I just love watching it.
8: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to say, uh, I'm in the same camp. Um, this season's been pretty interesting. Uh, and the game, obviously, were. With- were, were pr- pretty exciting. Um, just seeing now, um, I'm sure if you saw before in the Buccaneers-Rams game, Brady's pretty angry with the referee, because someone did actually tackle him quite hard. Uh, I, sometimes, I mean, yes, the guy is the greatest player of all time, but sometimes, you know, he can be a little bit insufferable. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can come back from that. Um, this T Bills game this afternoon, like you said, is going to be really... Uh, really interesting um yeah Mahomes uh whether he can get it done or not uh and 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 if he can take them through to another Super Bowl then he's gonna move up into a real sort of A-list quarterback status uh so yeah it, it, it's going up to be a really interesting
1: um Super Bowl it'd be um be really interesting if Bengals can, can get through as well it will be um yeah that'd be the surprise packet for me Yeah. Uh, jamie I, I would imagine uh, you might have taken five minutes out of your day on Saturday to have a look at the the black clash. I understand eleven thousand people are close to it live at the ground at, at bay oval so uh, uh, the black clash for you is it is it fun is it silly or is it just something in between oh uh, i it, it is a bit, bit of fun it also is a bit silly really
8: i i I think it sort of found a place where it doesn't really um, take itself too seriously uh, you know you can't take a game where Richie McCaw and Kieran Reid uh, are the the main attractions in a cricket game like, it, it can't really be that serious and you've got Tom Walsh opening the batting I will have to say it was pretty cool watching uh, Tom Walsh uh, have a bat, the guys clearly played a bit of cricket in this time um, but I, I think it's kind of got a place that perhaps the Stevens used to have in New Zealand society uh, if they can keep uh, the the interest in it up it, it it could turn into a bit of a destination uh kind of event for people um you know uh, having a look at the crowd there there's a lot of people there having a bit of drink and having a bit of fun and, and that's not uh, that, you know there's nothing wrong with that uh but i don't think the result of the actual game can be for me, taken pretty seriously at all Brad what about you uh yeah
6: interesting interesting one for me Smithy. like uh i I'm kind of in between. Like, how cool was it seeing Shane Bond bowl the other night? I mean, like, that first over was awesome, right? Like, uh, it almost took you back to 2002 in Adelaide when he ripped through the Australians and those memories of his short um, but awesome career. Uh, and it was it was cool watching Tom Walsh bat. I, I tweeted at the time. I think the England selectors are probably checking to see if he has an English passport because he looked better than half the guys that were in their team. But... Yeah, it's it's it is what it is, right? It's it's not a serious cricket game, although Stephen Fleming looked like he was taking it pretty serious. But from a nostalgia point of view, I, I grew up, um, you know, towards the back end of your career, Smithy, and and through that successful team of the two thousands, and and love love that side, you know, the McMillans, the Astles, the the Harrises, the Elliots, the the Flemings. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of in between on it. I'll watch it, but I'm I'm also not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know. Be a be a, uh, sort of Karen and and uh, and say it's not for
1: me. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, what is for us at the moment, uh, Brad? Of course, is we're back in red, back in the red traffic light. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean for sport? Uh, first thing that comes to mind for me is no atmosphere.
6: Yeah, and that's the worst part, right? Like Super Smash, uh, New Zealand Cricket releasing yesterday that the Super Smash will be played behind closed doors. Hopefully, we're um, back in orange by the uh, Women's World Cup. I know that's a big part of your summer Smithy, and and to have such a big event down here, it needs to have that atmosphere, that crowd support, because that's probably the only way the White Ferns are gonna are gonna go all the way off the back of some some hometown support. Uh, but yeah, that that's it's just. I'm just, you're just so sick of it, right? Like we've had this for two years now. We just want some uninterrupted sports excitement with, as you said, the atmosphere. I mean, I was there at Eden Park semi-final Cricket World Cup when Elliott smoked that six. It was one of the, the greatest moments of my sport-watching life because of the the crowd. So uh, that's what we miss is we miss the atmosphere. Uh, and, and I think the players probably really dislike it as well.
1: Well, Jamie, the other thing, of course, is it's going to impact uh, the early stages of Super Rugby, without doubt. Uh, I was reading yesterday where uh, Moana Pacifica clash with the Chief was going to be a fundraiser, too, for uh, those uh, people who are struggling in Tonga. Uh, so, not good. Not good all round, mate.
8: Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's great. Um, and that's a real shame that obviously there's not going to be people in the ground. Um, uh, it, it, it has been two years now, and, and it feels though so, kind of a, a little bit inevitable. Ever since NZ Rugby did put out the Super Rugby Pacific draw last year, that it was obviously going to get changed. It, it, it changed because of the travel bubble hasn't opened up with Australia yet. So to see the fact that there's no crowd, uh coming in is, uh, you know, disappointing, but not a, a massive surprise um and it's it you mentioned because they're they are the ones are probably going to suffer from this the most because they needed to hit the ground running they really did uh they needed to get a get a decent fifteen sort of eighteen thousand crowd into mount into mount smart for the first game and they, and they'd been given they'd been dealt a pretty good hand because it had been uh changed to having the blues there uh in the first game, so you know they would have got some pretty good numbers through the gate, and it's, it's not looking like that's going to happen now. Um, so that that's a real shame. But also, I mean, uh, the biggest thing about this is not uh, so much the crowds going in, but what this effect is going to have on people playing sport, um, especially kids. Uh, we're not going to know the full effects of the disruption that this is having on grassroots sport for a few years now until we can see the numbers. But I think that they, there has, has to be some real concerns out there about participation rates and how we can keep kids uh, and, and people leaving school um, engaged in sport when there's not guarantee they're actually going to have a season. I know we were at preseason last week and a lot of talk was whether we're actually going to be lining up running on the field uh, when our club rugby season
1: starts. Yeah, interesting indeed. Uh, It will be. It will be. It's not something that we're not used to, and and that's the sad thing about it. It's just uh, part of our sporting lives, whether we write about it, talk about it, or or just sit at home and watch it. That's, uh, I think, where we're going to consign to be over the next few weeks. Jamie Wall, Brad Lewis, I understand uh, that you had some trouble with the phone lines this morning, so I really appreciate your patience and your participation this morning. Thank you indeed. It is uh, 10.42 here on SENZ. Uh, We'll come back with uh, a few of your texts, if you like. A number of you have come in on the Black Clash. Uh, We'll get those out out to you very shortly. From behind the
0: stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith
1: on ECNZ. Yeah, 10.47 too. uh, And uh, a lot of uh, texts have come in regarding uh, the Black Clash. So there's a bit of feeling there. I wanted to watch the Black Clash, but the commentary was so inane, I switched it off. The same thing happened as last time. Uh, I watched it. Uh, hey guys, a bit of a uh, of, bit of feedback. So obviously we're having uh, an issue or two with some of those interviews. We apologise for that. Uh, our techs are working on it. Uh, of course, uh, you remember last week uh, we've moved into a new studio with all sorts of new bells and whistles. So we just need to get them whistling and dinging a little bit better by the sounds of it. And we're working on it. Uh, and really enjoyed the Black Clash team's shot put stole the show. And that's a common theme. Uh, that's from Bernie. That um, Tom Walsh uh, was outstanding. Uh, Richie's come in and said, love the the on-the-field action in the Black Clash. Tom Walsh's batting and tumbling saves in the field, Baz's ramp off Bondi. uh, But surely they can get a a better commentary team, perhaps yourself and Jeremy Coney. I'm not sure that'll ever happen. Uh, Maybe Mark Richardson. Well, they must have been bad. Uh, We are going to interview that Jason Hoyt. Hoyt. I've never heard of him before, but by the sounds of him, he's our greatest ever cricketer, with both bat and ball. Well, we'll try and get him on if that's the case. To be honest, uh, hadn't heard too much about him myself. Uh, and where was Izzy? Uh, we know where Izzy was. He was there, fell off his motorbike before Christmas. He was saying he was going to be captain of Team Rugby. Did he get dropped? No, unavailable uh, due to that. Hi, Smithy. The black clash was good, but the commentary team were terrible muppets. We muted it after 30 minutes. That's uh, Craig and uh, Tauranga. Uh, so John you watched a little bit of it I understand I wasn't able to I was at uh, the
0: races yeah I was sitting around on Saturday night and I was like man there's no sport on and then um, just checking my Twitter and up it was posting so I went on the TVNZ and you could watch it from the start so I didn't watch it live so I watched it from the start and yeah quite entertaining Um, Tom Walsh definitely a standout Um, we knew he could bat he'd been posting videos of himself, smashing it in the net. So good to see him out there doing it in the middle. And just his size and physique is different to anyone else on a cricket pitch that I've ever seen before, Smithy. Um... He's just a massive unit. So to see him smashing it was great. And then, yeah, Richie McCaw opening the bowling um, as well was a great sight. And I, I get what people are saying about the commentary. the radio guys normally. They normally do radio commentary, which is, as you know, is a lot different to TV commentary. So they go off on their own tangents and have their almost little in-jokes a lot of the time and would forget what kind of what's happening on the screen and to inform people of the pictures. So either they're your cup of tea or they're not the alternative commentary team and I think a lot of people were saying well what's the alternative to the alternative commentary team so maybe there is a market there Smithy for an alternative alternative commentary team
1: Well it's something I guess that um, those people at Broadcaster will uh, look at um, my understanding is that TVNZ um, uh, it's a free to air yep. event so uh, that's, that's one reason why a lot of people um, get involved in it because it doesn't cost you to watch it and the coverage of course is smooth uh, it's not off the internet or uh, and it comes through uh, nicely for you the the, uh, the numbers at the ground are interesting for me uh, and i'm I'm not sure whether it's a good sign or a bad sign for New Zealand cricket that um, in a holiday sort of place I, I understand they took it there for a reason so that's good eleven thousand people John eleven thousand people I'm, I'm hearing at the ground itself which is much much bigger than the black gaps get
0: yeah. A very jovial atmosphere. Um, I I don't know about the ticket prices either. Maybe that comes into play because the Black Caps are a big ticket item these days and you'll pay similar money to what you pay for an All Blacks test. But even Super Smash, Smithy, it's a shame that the red lights come in and there's going to be no crowds because I would have liked to compare, say, the final of the Super Smash against the Black Clash to see what sort of numbers that they get. I guess people are just having fun, quite relaxed atmosphere. I doubt you have to pay a lot for your ticket and in a beautiful part of the country on a very lovely night in terms of conditions. So all the stars aligned, really.
1: Well, it's not everybody that hated the commentary. We've uh, had Scott Logan come in and say, it's not a serious cricket game, so we don't need serious commentary. So fair enough. Uh, And a counterpoint uh, from uh, another person who's come in and said the commentary was great. Absolutely hilarious. So... There you go. It's a different market altogether. Uh, and speaking of markets, I'm quite surprised, really, that it's actually a betting thing, I'll, I'll be honest with you, uh, because it tends to be a taking turn thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, like, whose turn is it this year? And and whilst it, it's great that rugby win, um, I'd be very surprised if cricket didn't win next year if you get my drift. Uh, and it keeps the, the you know the, the ledger nice and even, and we can say it's a genuine contest. So that's just me. Uh, looking on from the outside. We're going to take a break and uh, we'll come back with uh, a little bit of racing, a little TAB. i have be interested to hear actually from the TAB just how much money goes onto the Black Clash. It's 10.52 here on SCNZ in the mornings. We know you haven't forgotten about sport. Neither have we. SCNZ is a new
9: team in town.
0: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith. On ECNZ.
7: The Loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit Loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan.
1: Yeah. Louis not with us uh, this morning, but uh, that's great because it gives us a little bit more time with uh, Paul Mowadi at the TAB. A really busy Monday, of course, anniversary day in Wellington, but uh, Paul big weekend of racing, and now, of course, uh, the focus remains on the serious part of the Australian Open and the NFL today, and uh, there's an upset on the cards.
7: Yeah, well, we have had a couple of upsets yesterday, uh, and uh, if the Rams can keep going, um, we're going to see the, the Bucks and Tom Brady uh, knocked out in a, another upset, and... To be fair, Stafford and the Rams have looked very, very good so far. And unfortunately for Bucks fans, Tampa Bay just haven't been able to get anything going on offense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I've been watching it sort of in between interviews, etc. And that looks very much the way. And they're on attack again now with great field position with a first and 10 opportunity. So um, aside from that, uh, what kind of betting figures would you have on the Black Clash ball? uh it, it was
7: it was like a i guess a big big bash match uh a turnover wise so uh it was very very well supported by punters um not surprisingly the cricket team uh took a, a wee bit more support than the rugby team um mm-hmm. but in the end uh, With Brendan McCallum in the side uh, and Kieran Reid looking like he could suit up for, well, maybe a Plunkett Shields uh, type team, um, batted very, very well. So, yeah, it was the punters got involved and were very, very keen on the cricket team uh, before the off.
1: Okay, and of course uh, a really big race day, Paul. Thanks very much uh, for coming in uh, uh, this morning and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you about the same time tomorrow. Coming up to 11 o'clock here on Here we're going to speak to MJ Hurley, the LA Rams correspondent very shortly at an opportune time when his team are on top of the Buccaneers. Fascinating. Could this be Brady's last hurrah? 11 o'clock
0: day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
1: Another mighty tree in the music industry falling over at the weekend. Uh, News coming through that meatloaf passed away at the age of 74 and for a lot of people he was massive in their lives. Uh, What a great contribution he had uh, just to the music industry but to to life. Uh, All around the world he was fantastic Uh, and speaking of all around the world there's plenty happening in the sport at the moment um, and in particular Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting the LA Rams uh, and that is uh, in a very important playoff match uh, and at the moment it's all about the LA Rams and uh, MJ Hurley is their reporter for Sports Illustrated, Uh, I understand that MJ Hurley is really a Green Bay Packers fan so he won't be happy anyway, he'll be in a a bit of a terse and surly mood because they were barreled out in the weekend as well and horrendous conditions but uh, MJ Hurley, uh, welcome uh, and thanks very much for joining us at a really important time in this match uh, in the NFL. Okay, uh, we're not having much luck, are we, Uh, with the phone lines this morning because MJ Hurley has gone, John. So uh, we can tell you at the moment that uh, the (laughs) LA Rams, uh, the LA Rams uh, have just scored another touchdown. uh, So that pushes them out to 27-3. That's with about seven minutes to go. Wow. Seven minutes to go. uh, No, in the third quarter. So a whole quarter and seven minutes for... Uh, Brady uh, and Cota turn around. The simple thing is, if they don't get uh, a touchdown in the next uh, set of play, in the next drive, uh, I'd say it's fair to say that uh, Tom Brady's uh, and the Buccaneers season uh, will be over, and that will be another turn-up, which leaves us later this afternoon uh, with the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, keep you uh, posted. We've... uh, Got to try and get MJ Hurley back, but we're having terrible problems with the phone lines, which you've probably picked up. There's been delays, uh, images, outages. Uh, It's been tough. Uh, So for uh, John in particular, who has uh, put the show together, uh, we sympathise. So a couple of texts have come in, uh, and more about uh, the commentary than anything else. If you want serious cricket comments, then watch the real cricketers play in the Super Smash. Don't get up in arms about some jokes and stuff when the players are joking around. Uh, And... Uh, having fun themselves. And that is uh, from uh, Scott. Uh, to all the people that uh, are whinging about the black clash and the commentary, if they hadn't heard of Lee Hart and Jason Hoyt, the ACC, and what they're about, you need to lighten up. It wasn't a serious game, so no need for serious commentary. Uh, and then someone else is coming. in and said, commentary would be OK if they were funny, but seriously, my accountant has more humour. Uh, that's uh, bring in Waddle, Coney, Jermaine from the Flight of Concords. That would be perfect. Cheers, JD, uh, Mount Eden, uh, one of your namesakes there. So, hmm, interesting. John, how are we going?
0: Uh, we've got MJ Hurley on the phone, but just to let people into what we do here, um, is we put people on the phone and they've been hearing themselves back, Smithy, which is something that happened to Andrew Mulligan uh, quite infamously in the Juggernaut incident uh, when he talked to the Stormers player all those years ago. Um, so when you hear yourself back in your own ear, it's very hard to speak. Um, so that's what our callers have been dealing with this morning. So when people like Paul Moati and our panel sound a bit stunted and umring and aring, it's because they're hearing themselves back in the ear again while they're talking. So we're going to give it a go. I think Smithy, uh, MJ Hurley is here, kind enough, and he might have an echo in his own ear. So bear that in mind.
1: Well, he's a broadcaster, so uh, he might be able to handle it. Uh, of course, MJ Hurley, uh, LA Rams reporter, uh, keeping a very, very keen eye on on this particular game where, um, MJ, welcome to the show, uh, dominating 27-3 in the third quarter.
2: Thank you for having me back, everybody. Um, And yeah, it's a very impressive showing by LA, one that I was not expecting, so I'm very pleased, uh, especially given that my personal favorite Packers got uh, knocked out last night. So it's Team Rams for the rest of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, let's look at that uh, performance by uh, Green Bay and uh, Aaron Rodgers in and, and horrific conditions, I think it's fair to say. Freezing cold, snowing towards the end, uh, and difficult to hold on to the ball, it seems.
2: Yeah, it was one of the worst performances I've seen by the Packers, and I've seen a lot of bad ones in the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, it was zero degrees was what it felt like, um, and it was snowing the entire second half and seemed to bother the 49ers who are from warm and sunny California. So it's just, I mean, as a fan, even it's just another disappointing performance. Once I saw San Francisco get the ball back with three or four minutes left, I knew that game was over. Robbie gold, the 49ers kicker played in Chicago for years. So the cold and the snow didn't bother him. Um, And there are a lot of decisions that have to be made in the off-season in green Bay, So we'll see what happens there.
1: Well, the Bucs uh, suffered at the hands of uh, the LA Rams early in the season. I think it was 34-24. They beat them there. But uh, now that we're at the pointy end of it, uh, it's all going Stafford way. Matthew Stafford, it just seems that uh, they are in touch. Uh, as I speak, I think Gronkowski's got his hands on the ball for almost the first time in the game and they've made some ground. But what about Brady getting them out of this hole?
2: This would be, I mean... Obviously, there's the 28-3, to and the Rams seem to have avoided that. It's 27-3, so they're safe from the Falcons' curse. Um, but, I mean, Brady has brought his team back from a deficit like this before. Um, with somebody who has that type of fourth-quarter comeback in him, I'm not going to make any de- declarations, even with a 24-point lead, five minutes left in the third quarter. Um, but this sure is an impressive performance by the Rams. Uh, the only thing that is somewhat frustrating or annoying is, is if Brady loses this game, he is definitely coming back next year to terrorize the NFL for another season.
1: Oh, he is? Okay, so that's interesting. I saw, just saw some shots on the telly of, of uh, the Brady Bunch, um, of course. Uh, and I, I, just, I just wonder whether they are all gathered for perhaps the last hurrah, but that is not the case. I don't think so. I don't
2: think he's the type of guy that's going to go out on such a demoralizing loss if it does continue like this. I think it's the type of guy that wants to go out in the Super Bowl win. And obviously I don't know that for a fact. That's just kind of what I've heard, what I've pieced together from everything we know about Brady as a person. I highly doubt he'd go out on a uh, divisional round exit, but who knows?
1: MJ Hurley with us. Uh, he's uh, a reporter for the LA Rams on behalf of Sports Illustrated, uh, Massive publication. Uh, MJ, uh, let's talk about what has happened. What has happened today that Brady has not been able to be uh, the architect of this game? Has it, has it been he has not had the protection he needs or a Stafford has just been outstanding?
2: Well, it's a little bit of both. And the one thing that you always have to do if you want to beat Tom Brady is you have to be able to rush four, drop seven into coverage, and get pressure with just your front four. The Rams have an incredible front four led by Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in the game every year. So they have that capability. They've been hurting a little bit in the secondary, so there was a little concern there. But the Rams kept the pressure on them um, early and often, which is incredible. And they have just been able to get home to Brady. Brady made a mistake throwing an interception. um, And, you know, the Rams have put the pressure on them in offense and have been able to throw the ball. Matthew Stafford hasn't made mistakes that what that's what killed them the second half of the season so the rams are taking care of the football um tom brady does have his all pro uh, right tackle tristan worth out he's in his second year mm-hmm. so that is hurting especially when you've got two really good edge rushers uh von miller and leonard floyd for the rams so brady is hurting in terms of his protection but also just shout out to matt stafford who's having one of the best games of his life and obviously the best playoff game of his life
1: Okay, so the Bengals nineteen, the Titans sixteen, as you talked about, uh, the 49ers thirteen, the Packers ten. Uh, so probably uh, in terms of our market, anyway, two upsets there, and of course uh, this would be one as well. A lot of Brady money around, uh, even in this part of the world, MJ, uh, which leads us to the final one this afternoon: the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, just talk us through that one.
2: That this is the game I'm, I'm the most excited for, even though obviously I was excited for the Packers game, but. You've got two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, probably two top five guys, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And, you know, by all accounts, this is going to be a shootout. You also have the added storyline. Bill's lost to the Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game. There's a viral picture of Stephon Diggs, the Bill's star receiver, standing and watching the Chiefs celebrate as they got their AFC Championship trophy, prepared to go to the Super Bowl. He stood out on the field by himself for like 30 minutes. And watch the Chiefs celebrate so you've got a lot of motivated guys in Buffalo they have a very good defense um, but it is always hard for me personally to bet against a team like the Chiefs that has been the Super Bowl the last two years Patrick Mahomes seems to be able to pull it out whenever he needs it and they have just not looked like they've struggled for the last 14-15 weeks playing football so if I were a betting man Um, I would advise not to bet against the Chiefs until I see them not go to the Super Bowl, but it's going to be a very exciting game, and I'm um, definitely looking forward to watching that one.
1: Well, tell us a wee bit about uh, his counterpart, too, and Josh Allen, who's had a hugely impressive season, uh, I think it's fair to say, um, uh, for the Buffalo Bills.
2: Josh Allen is so impressive to me because his first two years in the league, the biggest knock on him was just he had a terrible completion rate. Uh, you know, a good NFL quarterback sits somewhere around 68%. Um, if you're going crazy, you're around 70%. And Josh Allen was sitting in the low to mid-50s his first couple of years in the league. So he was just having trouble reading defenses. He wasn't um, on the same page with his guys. He was overthrowing a lot because his arm is so strong. So he's had to adjust to NFL speed. Now that he has, now that they got him a star-wide receiver in Stephon Diggs, and now that he has a really good defense behind him, he's able to calm down, play a little bit more of his game. In the first run in the wild card game playing the Patriots, he threw a touchdown he wasn't even trying to throw. He was rolling out right, trying to throw a ball away. Dawson Knox's tight end made an incredible catch. So when you've got a guy like that who's literally throwing touchdowns when he's not even trying to, um, that's very dangerous. So he's got a big arm, and no matter the weather conditions, no matter what you're throwing in his face, he's a big guy, six foot six. He can take any hit from any defender. So he's a very tough guy to stop, and especially given the support he has from a uh, an ascending defense in Buffalo. It's a very dangerous combination.
1: MJ, uh, that's uh, the new breed of quarterback you, you've just been highlighting uh, with Mahomes, of course, uh, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford to a certain degree. But uh, you've mentioned Brady, but uh, it's the end of the road definitely for... Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger, of course, uh, out of uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now then, also, uh, it was interesting at the start of the season, the scenario with the Packers and uh, Aaron Rodgers. How do you see that panning out?
2: Let me just put it this way. What I heard from Aaron Rodgers last night when I was in the press conference and listening to that did not sound good. Um, In terms of, There's a lot of work that's going to need to be done if Aaron Rodgers is going to return next year. He made it very clear he didn't want to be part of a rebuilding team. And right now the Packers are $44.8 million, I believe, projected over the salary cap next year, which is second worst in the NFL. So they have a lot of money work to do. They pushed a lot of money into 2022 to make this season work so that Rodgers could get some more help, so that they could build a team that Rodgers was satisfied with so that he would come back. So a lot is going to have to be done. I find it hard to believe there's a scenario where the Packers keep Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and still have a championship caliber team. I personally, at the beginning of the year, said they should trade Rodgers, and I'm still going to stand by that just from a Green Bay Packers standpoint. Obviously it's so hard to get rid of one of the best quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen, arguably one of the most talented ever. It's really hard to do that, but at some point, the Packers have to move on. And don't get me wrong, if they can keep him, if they can keep Adams and Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, can move money around and make some magic, Packers fans and the NFL would love to see it. I just, It's such an uphill battle that they're going to have to fight. And then there's all of Rodgers' um, you know, weird personal opinions, and he might just decide to retire. Who knows? He said he's going to take some time away um, you know, to hang out with those close around him and, and see what he decides. So At this point, the Packers are just waiting on Rodgers to see, does he want to retire? Does he want to come back to Green Bay? Does he want to leave?
1: Uh, just had a turnover, actually, uh, in this game, which uh, enables Brady uh, to get the ball into his hands again. We're running out of time in the third quarter. Still the margin, 27-6. They just kicked a field goal. Uh, that's an update from our time as we're watching it over there. It might be a slightly different time over there uh, for you, MJ. Just to, uh, for all New Zealand listeners, what is the salary cap? How, how much is it? So,
2: that- uh, salary cap is projected around $205 million, I want to say, for next year. Um, it's never official until April or so uh, when the new league year, year starts right before the draft. Um, but it's just, you know, the NFL putting a restriction. Some sports, like Major League Baseball, don't have a salary cap. The NFL does. And you have to be under the salary cap um, before you can go make any free agent signings. So be- before the Packers want to do anything to add, subtract, make any moves on their team, They've got to get that number down, which is extremely complicated and I don't even understand some of the things they do sometimes. Um, but it's just another game that general managers and all the people, smart smart guys in the front office have to make um, to make the rosters work. And the Packers are in one of the worst situations that the league is facing other than the uh, New Orleans
1: Saints. So what kind of market are they, what kind of quarterback market are they looking in here then if that is the case? I mean, They've had a tradition at the Packers with some of the great quarterbacks, you know, and, and all of a sudden, are they going to have to go rookie-ish or can they get someone with profile?
2: Um, if the Packers trade Rodgers or if Aaron Rodgers is not there to start next season, I would be shocked if it's not their young quarterback, Jordan Love. They picked him in the first round, um, 26 overall in 2020, and he's had very limited action. He played in the Chiefs game this year because Rodgers had covid didn't look great. At the end of week 18, second half of the game against the Lions, Jordan Love played again because they, were, they played their starters for the first half. Rest of them in the second half, Jordan Love played. He looked better than he did in the Chiefs games, but granted, that was against the Detroit Lions. So my guess is they would stick with Jordan Love unless some opportunity presented itself uh, where they can maybe trade Rodgers for another quarterback they like better. But for the most part, if you draft a quarterback in the first round, the majority of NFL teams want to at least give their guy a shot. So if Rodgers isn't the starting, starting quarterback for the Packers in 2022, my guess is it would be Jordan Love, and I would be very surprised if that was not the case.
1: Okay, MJ, it's been fantastic uh, catching up with you. We'll let, uh, let you get back to uh, what you do best, and that's uh, watching the Rams and writing about it. Uh, thanks so much for your time. It's, uh, I know it's a critical point in the match, so um, we'll let you, let you get back to it. Uh, it's been great. Very enlightening. Enjoyed the chat. Thank you.
2: Absolutely.
1: Thank you guys for having me. I'll talk to you later. Uh, MJ Hurley uh, from uh, Sports Illustrated there. He writes on behalf of the LA Rams, but his heart, uh, of course, uh, as we've just heard, is with the Green Bay Packers, who uh, were upset yesterday, and the upset is on the cards too for Tom Brady here. Uh, They're managing just to hang in there. It's first and 10 for those that know the game. Uh, One minute to 18 counting down on the clock in the third quarter and an opportunity for a touchdown, a much-needed touchdown which would bring them within, if I do my maths, uh, within two scoring touchdown plays, which is not impossible for Brady. But right now, it's odds on that the LA Rams will go through to the next round of the NFL, even against the GOAT. 11-21 here on ECNZ.
0: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
1: There it is 11.26, good news for Buccaneers fans, they uh, forced a turnover and then Fournette got in for uh, a closely run about four yard touchdown, uh, which means they've closed the gap uh, to 27 to 13, so two touchdowns with conversions uh, would get them in, uh, but they haven't got the ball, I've got to stop uh, Mark's, uh, Matthew Stafford, not Mark Stafford, we've got to stop him, we are got to start him at 12 o'clock, Matthew Stafford, uh, they have got to stop him and the Rams, all throughout the score, any scoring play you think would be enough for the Rams. So uh, time will run out. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we're also keeping a really close eye too on the Super Smash because it's uh, getting to uh, the really serious uh, end of the season. Our uh, Super Smash update is brought to you by Juriscape, Lawn Seed from PGG Wrightson or Fruit Fed Stores. And uh, John, it uh, was all about uh, Tom Latham. Uh, and of course, Daryl Mitchell, who we talked to earlier this morning, a lot of experience and Chasing down a a good score from the uh, Otago Volts, which means uh, this Thursday in Dunedin. uh, The Sparks are at home against the Auckland Hearts. Craig Cumming will have them absolutely fired up, I'm sure. Uh, And then the Kings, as we've worked out, will be playing the Wellington Firebirds uh, from midday. So it's the boys first, the men first as the curtain raiser.
0: Yeah, as it should be, I guess, in Dunedin with the home team, the Sparks. And how good are they going this year? Bates is scoring heaps of runs, Smithy, which was starting to become an issue for me as a fan of the White Ferns and watching them and watching Susie Bates in recent times. I know she got that bad uh, shoulder injury, was it, Uh, not too long ago, and she wasn't really in the finest of form, but she's come back into domestic cricket uh, in the fifty-over and twenty-over stuff, and is absolutely killing it. So I think we all want to see Otago Sparks against the uh, Wellington Blaze in the final, uh, and then that men's elimination final. Well, that's that's anyone's game to me. Both teams, I think, Smithy have uh, amazing batting lineups. Uh, when you look at the Firebirds and the Kings, um, so for me, it just comes off who comes off on the day in terms of batting. When you got Allen Devon Conway and Blundell and Co up against Latham and uh, Mitchell. And Tom Latham, just in superb form, showed it again yesterday. And Daryl Mitchell with his reverse sweeps against the spinners, uh, he was in fine form as well. So enjoy my Super Smash and great to see all the Black Caps are starring as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's important for the comp. I really do. The ratings, uh, the, the level of interest, it's hugely important that the Black Caps are available to play when they can. Uh, Yes, that Blaze team looks almost uh, impregnable in terms of breaking them down. Having said that, Magicians did last year, didn't they? Uh, That was a really big turn up, uh, the Canary Magicians, against all form book odds. Uh, So the Blaze will feel very nervous about whoever they happen to play. Yep,
0: absolutely. Uh, You know, 2020 cricket, anything can happen on the day. Uh, They're in action again, I think, today. Uh, The Wellington Blaze against the Northern Brave going for a perfect 10 10 out of 10 wins in the regular season. That's actually underway as we speak. So if you want to watch some Wellington blaze, um, go ahead. You get down to the Cello Basin Reserve. I, I'm guessing it's a beautiful day in Wellington, as it always is in summer.
1: Well, it's anniversary day. Uh, it is anniversary day, so you've got an opportunity there to spend some time. Uh, and wear better uh, if you can't get a seat at uh, Oriental Bay. Uh, then perhaps to get one on the bank at uh, the Cello Basin Reserve. That is coming up to uh, 11.30 here on SENZ in the mornings. uh, And, of course, it's stump smithy time. So 0800 150 811. Uh, Let's uh, give away our first 50 bucks of the week from the TAB. So uh, get in now, folks. Light up the lines.
0: It is that time to regenerate your TAB account or just chuck some more in that you've won over the weekend. I don't know how you went on the punt. Hopefully you did well uh over the weekend. Uh we've got Reed from Gore. Rido how are you, mate?
5: Yeah, no, not bad team, not t- not too bad.
0: Excellent, excellent. How'd you enjoy your weekend? What did you what kind of uh, sports did you uh watch or get into? I
5: was in that uh, Boys Get Paid Punters Club. Oh, which, were you? Uh, Bit of a return, so it was awesome.
0: Geez, that was exciting. They were chucking on huge bets, six figure bets. I mean, what was it like being part of that?
5: Oh, it was fantastic. Watching that last race and the opportunity to win, you know, part of that million dollars would have been fantastic, but
0: not yeah. to be, not to be. So, talk us through what happened there. So, what they, are, there was a million dollar return, wasn't there? What was the bet that they put on?
5: Yeah, I think it was, um, that dynastic into Miss Aller to top three in the in the last. Yeah, man.
0: That was exciting, but they still, what, what was the profit in the end? It was like 160000 or something to share.
5: Yeah, that's what it was, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Amazing, great uh, stuff. Yeah. Boys get paid. Live up to the name. We enjoy yeah. that. All right, Reid, oh, hopefully you'll get paid today as well. You know how this works. Three sporting categories. You choose one, then you get three questions right and you win. But as soon as you get one wrong, Smithy can step in and stump you. So today we have got tennis, darts, and cricket. Do you like any of those?
6: Um, no, no, not really, but I'll uh, we'll <laughs> go with uh, I'll take I don't really want
5: to take Smithy on it as number one, so
0: I'll go uh, tennis. Tennis, all right, yeah, stay away from cricket and Smithy, that's always ends in a stumping. All right, let's go. Bit of tennis, question number one. Start off simple: Who is the current women's tennis number one?
9: Um, one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
0: Maybe not so easy. Who's the current world number one smithy in women's tennis? Ash Barty. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and where it goes. Unlucky Reid. He's got it,
5: yeah.
0: He's got you. Whip the bales off.
5: <laughs> Cheers, guys.
0: Good on you, Reed. Good on you, Reid. God loves a try. I like Reid. Always calling in from Gore. Yeah. Would have been nice to uh, reward him, but not to be. That means Simon gets a chance. Hello, Simon.
8: How you going, boys?
0: Doing very well. How's your weekend?
8: Yeah, not bad, Thing. Nice. Yeah, I was in that syndicate as
0: well. Oh, were
8: in you? In well.
0: Yeah. Oh, good stuff. So what did you all end up collecting? Um, oh, I think I got about... I uh, put about 50
8: bucks in and I got sort of... I don't know, 70 back or something, 65. So... Yeah. And
0: a lot of fun along the way. I mean the thrills along the way. They're priceless really, aren't yeah. they? The last one would
8: have been yeah, that would been one. Yeah. Just not far away from big one. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I like how they just put it all on the line. You know, don't die wondering. Just like you will in nah. this quiz. Two more tennis <laughs> questions. If you get them right, you'll get the sleep drops and you'll get the 50 bucks. Question number two. Novak Djokovic had the chance to make it a calendar slam last year, but he stumbled at the last hurdle. Who beat him in the US Open final last year?
8: Um, was it Daniel Medvedev?
1: Just a couple of chips down the wicket.
0: Right in the slot and the it goes. Certainly was. Smithy Djokovic just ran out of puff last year. Almost won all the slams.
1: Yeah, um, very popular win too actually, um, Daniel Medvedev and uh, he's on track again to make it uh, basically two in a row so uh, he is the player of the moment uh, as a Simon so good luck uh, with this third one Simon
0: All right, Simon, get this right and you get the Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements and the question is, New Zealand has a new Davis Cup captain who replaced Alistair Hunt earlier this year
5: Um, is it the old X? Oh, what's his name?
0: Uh, it is the uh, old X. what's his name? It is. You're on Kelly, the right
5: track. Kelly, Kelly.
0: That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, under where it goes. You took the words right out of my mouth, Simon. Well done, mate. Kelly Evenden is the correct answer. You would have got that, Smithy. Could um,
1: see him, but I might have struggled. I uh, couldn't put a name on it. <laughs> Kelly Evendon, what a great inspirational guy uh, to have as your team captain. Uh, Well done. Absolutely well done, Simon. Fantastic. You get the the 50 bucks and the sleep drops because you got the third question right. So, uh, yeah, stay on the line. um, And uh, Jacob will get your details today. Jake's uh, working for us feverishly in the background, having trouble with the phone lines and persevering on, which has been great. So, uh, well done. 11.37 here on SCNZ. Uh, John, uh, I can give you an update in the NFL. Uh, there have been a, a couple of uh, turnovers, actually. Brady uh, and the Buccaneers managed to get the ball back. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there was uh, an interesting scenario where Brady was uh, actually uh, sacked. Uh, and and what happened was uh, there was a, a foul off the ball or a, a penalty given off the ball. And so he's been gifted it back. So they're still in with a chance. Maybe that's fate. It is 27-13. There's still 14 minutes to go, which is a long time. Uh, and if they get a touchdown here or conversion here, uh, then they are right in the hunt, and the Rams will be getting really nervous. Massive mistake there by one of the LA Rams players. Also, uh, Richie's come in and said, uh, Ian, you uh, basically have uh, given Wellingtonians a bum steer because they cannot go to the Basin today. And you're right, Richie, because we're in the red traffic light system. Uh, And uh, that is absolutely true. So thank you. And if I've put uh, any Wellingtonians into their car on the way down to the Basin Reserve, I apologise. You probably won't get in. Uh, Thank you for that, Richie. Uh, It is 11.38. We'll be back.
0: He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ.
1: The Meatloaf, uh, alias uh, Michael Lee Aday, born Marvin Lee Aday back in uh, 1947 uh, and passed away just uh, two or three days ago at the age of 74. Uh, An absolutely magnificent, magnificent uh, singer. Uh, And uh, whilst uh, it's the older listeners uh, uh, out there that probably appreciate him more, John is so familiar even with uh, the younger breed.
0: Absolutely. I think every single party that my friends' parents had when I was a kid growing up in the 90s, they all had Bad Outta Hell. They all had that album. And one of those ones you could play from start to finish. And as a kid, he brought a lot of energy. Uh, great lyrics that you could understand and you could just belt it out along with him. And, Smithy, I'm surprised he made it to 74. I mean, he wasn't the healthiest guy uh, going around, was he? And he used to faint on stage or pass out on stage all the time. So not a bad inning, 74 from Meatloaf.
1: No, fantastic. In fact, uh, some of the last shots of him uh, appearing in certain events, etc. very popular company. Uh, he was very tidy. He tidied himself up. His image was absolutely... Uh, in contrast, unrecognizable actually. Yeah, that Bad Out of Hell series of albums, so that he had uh, 65 million albums worldwide, uh, still sells an estimated 200,000 copies annually, stayed on the charts, uh, at the top of the charts, for over nine years. Wow. And a staggering amount of uh, albums and a staggering amount of money he must have made. So that's Meatloaf uh, gone, but will never, ever be forgotten, courtesy of his legacy, which is uh, his style. Uh, um, in terms of uh, those um, uh, Winter Olympics coming up, John. Uh, you wrote a great uh, column uh, this morning with your notes, so I'm going to read it out to uh, to our listeners because uh, I think uh, it's worthy of the jargon, worthy of the jargon, and what we're going to have to get used to if we want to get seriously into the Winter Olympics. Two X Games goals for Zoe Sadowski Sinnett. Snowboarding sensation Zoe Sadowski Sinnett has made it to double gold at the X Games in Aspen, Colorado, after claiming victory. In the women's slope style event on Saturday, New Zealand time, the 20 year old from Wanaka backed up with another try in the Big Air event on Sunday after landing a front side double 1080 with a melon grab in her first run to score 40 whoa, out of 50. Whoa, 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 whoa.
0: What, what was that?
1: <laughs> a front side. A front side double 1080. It sounds like a poison. Uh, with a melon grab <laughs> in her first run to score a 40 out of 50. Sadosky sinnett then produced a backside 1080, and a second run to notch 36, John. And then she swiftly replaced the 36 with a 45, though, after stomping a huge backside 1260 and runs free. That's the first time she had landed that trick in that competition. Get your head around that.
0: you got to stomp it, Smithy. That's what you said on Friday. You started introducing mm. us uh, with your jargon during your sermon, and, Plenty of words there that make sense in my head in isolation, but chuck them all together and your head starts to spin like Zoe did uh, several times. So, tw- tw- what is it? Twelve sixty backside melon.
1: A, a, a huge no, a huge backside. Stomping a huge backside twelve sixty in run three, and that is after uh, getting a thirty six with a backside ten eighty in his second run. So there you go. Um, when you went when you stomp the backside. <laughs> That's apparently huge, absolutely huge, John. So now get used to it. Whilst it sounds funny, uh, it is not. It is not that funny. Uh, So here we go. Uh, What have we got? Uh, Sport updates. Uh, 27-13 and uh, eight minutes and three, time running out, uh, and the Rams have the ball. Uh, They need uh, to convert now, and, and I think they're safe, and Brady will be gone with his Buccaneers. Uh, And you've got an update, John, on uh, what's going on with the Wellington Blaze, yes?
0: I do, yeah, and sorry to those people who we see get down to the Cello uh, Basin Reserve, um, because of course you can't, because it's the red traffic light. But the Wellington Blaze have won 9 out of 9 so far this season. This is the 10th game to wrap up um, the the regular season, and they are 63 for 4, Smithy. Um, I haven't said that the Wellington Blaze are in trouble before, I don't think ever, but they are in trouble today. Uh, Maddie Green, Merely Kerr and Sophie Devine all back in the hutch for single figures, all three of those star players. So 63 for four against the Northern Brave after nine overs. So going at seven and over, which is okay, but yeah, losing plenty of wickets. And, you know, the Blazers straight through to the final. They'll play the winner of the Otago match against, do they play the Northern Brave? in the elimination semi on Thursday. No. Um, yeah. Who have the Sparks got? Uh,
1: the Sparks. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'll have to uh, check back on my notes here. The Sparks. Uh, who are the Sparks playing? Um, come on, John, we, uh, we'll get this. The Sparks are playing Auckland. Auckland Hearts, that's Thank right. The Auckland, Auckland. Hearts snuck in. Yeah. yeah. The Auckland Hearts, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Winner of that will play the Wellington oh, Blaze, who are looking fallible, Smithy. We thought they were unbeatable, but just like you say, come the day, come the man or woman... You've all got a chance in mm. T20 cricket.
1: Yeah, and of course, a very important time for all those players uh, looking to perhaps create a last opportunity to be part of uh, the Women's 50 Over World Cup, which is not too far away. Um, and interesting uh, comments from uh, the Sports Minister Grant Robertson over the weekend to the effect that it will largely be unaffected in terms of the event itself, although uh, they should be allowed to get pockets of 100 and here and there around the venues, but not the same. Not the same. No. A World Cup without atmosphere is not a, a great World Cup for me. So hopefully something will happen between now and March the 3rd or 4th. I think the opening game is uh, the borders will change or something or the, or the system will change whereby we can go back to Orange and get the girls what they need. Help to win the World Cup and help comes in terms of the atmosphere. Uh, a text just come in and said uh, regarding meatloaf, if he'd have got himself faxed, he would most likely have still been here.
0: Yeah, harsh but fair, and it's a bit of a message for all of us, I think. Smithy, get vaxxed and get boosted, and you got a better chance of beating COVID than Meatloaf did.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. So uh, well, I can just uh, tell you that the LA Rams have either kicked a field goal, a long one, or they haven't. And is it over? No, it's short, so that means it's still with two uh, two touchdown margin. Uh, for Brady to overcome, but the clock is ticking. 11.52 here on SENZ, um, and Mark Stafford, not Matthew, Mark Stafford takes over the show at 12 o'clock.